Welcome to Hope's Garden and the Bridegroom Speaks podcast with Laura Ercolino. Take a moment to enter into your heart where the bridegroom abides and invite him to just sing over your heart right now to let those words that he most knows you need to hear, to let them just pop out to you, stand out, and your heart might take them in. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. The fourth poem, The Bride. I sleep, but my heart is awake. I hear my beloved knocking. Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of night. I have taken off my tunic. Am I to put it on again? I have washed my feet. Am I to dirty them again? My beloved thrust his hand through the hole in the door. I trembled to the core of my being. Then I rose to open to my beloved. Myrrh ran off my hands, pure myrrh off my fingers, on to the handle of the bolt. I opened to my beloved, but he had turned his back and gone. My soul failed at his flight. I sought him, but I did not find him. I called to him, but he did not answer. The watchmen came upon me as they made their rounds in the city. They beat me, they wounded me, they took away my cloak, they who guard the ramparts. I charge you, daughters of Jerusalem, if you should find my beloved, what must you tell him? That I am sick with love. The chorus. What makes your beloved better than other lovers, O loveliest of women? What makes your beloved better than other lovers to give us a charge like this? The Bride My beloved is fresh and ruddy to be known among 10,000. His head is golden, purest gold. His locks are palm fronds and black as the raven. His eyes are doves at a pool of water bathed in milk at rest on a pool. His cheeks are beds of spices, banks sweetly scented. His lips are lilies distilling pure myrrh. His hands are golden, rounded, set with jewels of Tarshish. His belly, a block of ivory covered with sapphires. His legs are alabaster columns set in sockets of pure gold. His appearance is that of Lebanon, unrivaled as the cedars. His conversation is sweetness itself. He is altogether lovable. Such is my beloved. Such is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. The Chorus Where did your beloved go, O loveliest of women? Which way did your beloved turn so that we can help you look for him? The Bride My beloved went down to his garden. 
to the beds of spices, to pasture his flock in the gardens and gather lilies. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He pastures his flock among the lilies. The fifth poem, The Autumn of the Fruits. The Bridegroom. You are beautiful as Terzah, my love, fair as Jerusalem, terrible as an army with banners. Turn your eyes away, for they hold me captive. Your hair is like a flock of goats frisking down the slopes of Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep as they come up from the washing. Each one has its twin, not one unpaired with another. Your cheeks behind your veil are halves of pomegranate. There are 60 queens and 80 concubines and countless maidens, but my dove is unique, mine, unique and perfect. She is the darling of her mother, the favorite of the one who bore her. The maiden saw her and proclaimed her blessed. Queens and concubines sang her praises. The chorus. Who is this, arising like the dawn, fair as the moon, resplendent as the sun, terrible as an army with banners? So one of the main themes that I wanted to look at first today is the idea of the bridegroom's merciful love. Like, what is this transition here? What is the bride learned in the fourth poem that then leads us into the bridegroom's praise of her in the fifth poem? And how can we apply this to our lives? So on this theme of merciful love, we're going to move now from the fourth poem, which if you notice, the bridegroom doesn't speak in the fourth poem. It's all the bride. He speaks at the very beginning, right? She says he knocks at the door. She's telling us what she's heard him say, but he doesn't actually have any lines in the fourth poem. It's all the bride and her seeking and her searching, her falling. And then the fifth poem will begin with the bridegroom responding to her as she finds him again. And so when I contemplate this in our lives, in our spiritual growth, what comes to mind is this, well, his merciful love and how we seek him. And we have to accept that in our human life, we are always going to fall. We're going to have falls. We're going to have temptations. We're never going to overcome that as long as we're living here in this fallen world in our fallen humanity. And so there's two ways we can look at that. We can either beat ourselves up when we fall and be disappointed in ourselves and be afraid to return to the bridegroom because, oh no, I did it again, I'm not worthy. Or we can begin to see that these falls, these habitual sins that we work so hard to overcome and yet we still fall again, we can begin to see them as opportunities, as gifts to return, 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 O maid of Shalom, to get up again or to ask for the help, the grace to get up again and return to his merciful love. And by doing that, one of the things that happens is the more that we focus on the mercy of God, 
and his desire and willingness to forgive us and recreate us again and to pick us up and put us back on the path again, the more that we focus on him and thank him for these opportunities to return to him and experience his mercy again, the more silent the enemy becomes. Because if he sees that his tempting us, that our falls only draw us closer to the heart of Jesus, only make us more eager to return to the bridegroom, he's going to stop. Because <laughs> that's absolutely not what he wants to do. Now, will he find other ways? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he'll find some new way. But that's really the answer, is just to keep looking to Jesus just to keep thanking him for the trials and the temptations because Jesus, they remind me that I need you. They remind me that you are merciful. You are love itself. And so I give you glory and thanksgiving that you've given me another opportunity to let you lift me up and kiss me with your mercy. Make me new again every day. <laughs> Make me new again. Every day, if I can just be a little bit better, a little bit holier than yesterday. And it's by his grace that that happens. Only by his grace. She might have been hesitant to return. Here she is after she's already experienced the overwhelming love of the bridegroom. And she shuts her heart to him. And when she realizes, no, wait, <laughs> I've got to go back. He's, he's the only one. He's the only one. What am I going to do? Is he going to take me back? right? You could imagine she might have been hesitant, resistant, afraid. And yet we know that we do not need to be afraid, that that's exactly what we need to do. We just need to return to him. And what is his response? You are beautiful as Terzah, my love, fair as Jerusalem, terrible as an army with banners. So not only is he praising her beauty, her spiritual beauty, he's praising her strength. Jerusalem and Terzah, two strong, strong cities back in ancient Israel. Terrible as an army with banners. She's as strong and mighty as an army, a whole army. This is the strength of humility. It takes humility. And it takes knowing who we are in God to be able to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I fell again. I need you. Please forgive me. Please shower me with your mercy. I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity to remember that I am creature and you are creator, that I am fallen and you are my redeemer and my savior. Humility takes great spiritual strength. And again, St. Bernard, doctor of the church, <laughs> tells us the three most important virtues are humility, humility, and humility. And this is what the bridegroom is praising. This is her spiritual beauty, that she had the humility to remember who she is and that she needs a savior. She needs her bridegroom and to turn again to him. And that is most beautiful in his eyes. Yeah, it's really a very beautiful experience to become aware of your own poverty, become aware of your own poverty and really, truly know your need for him. You know, I know we all talk about, I need him, and, but when there's really nothing else, <laughs> when you have nothing else and you really 
need him. There's nowhere else to turn. And he comes and fills that. It makes me think about, you know, the teachings of St. Catherine of Siena and her teachings on growing in self-knowledge in God. That sums it up for her, right? He says, the most important thing for you to remember is that you are she who is not, and I am he who is. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> like That's the self-knowledge you need. <laughs> and so it's that coming to know, truly know ourselves in him, that apart from him, we can do nothing. And that's okay. Like we keep saying, he has no delusions about the weaknesses of his brides. And when we stop having delusions about our strength and learn that it's okay to be weak and needy when we're being needy, you know, dependent on him, that's when his strength is made perfect in us. That's when we begin to experience what the saints call spiritual fruitfulness. Uh, Henry Nouwen writes beautifully about the difference between spiritual fruitfulness and the success or accomplishments, the productivity that the world tells us we need to grow in. And there's a big difference. And spiritual fruitfulness at the heart of that is that surrender to Christ and allowing him to work in us the way that he wants to work in us, not the way we think it should be, but really just that detachment from our will, our expectations, our plans, and opening up that emptiness to him and that weakness. Henry now writes beautifully about it in one of the newer books that they put out of his, and actually it applies very well to how we talk about Jesus as the divine gardener. And he uses the analogy of the farmer who plants his seeds. And then he says, you know, and the farmer doesn't go out every day and dig it back up to see if anything's growing. And it's the same with our spiritual fruitfulness. We just do today what the Lord's calling us to do. And then we let it go and we move on to tomorrow. And we trust that as the divine gardener, that he's going to make good fruits grow out of our little efforts. And we don't have to keep going back and going over it and wondering, did I do enough? Did I do it right? I gave it to him and I did it to the best of my ability that day. And that's all I need to do. And he will take it and he will multiply our efforts and he will bring good fruit out of it. Small acts with great love. That's all we need to do. He'll produce the fruit. But I'd really love just to read to you, just to let the words, you know, flow over you and into you. What Father Blaze writes about verse 6-5, turn your eyes away for they hold me captive. It could not, of course, be fear of his dearly beloved that would make him exclaim thus. His beloved is terrible to him only through the unbearable ardor of his love. Didn't she herself say about her bridegroom in the first poem, the banner he raises over me is love. This time, the bridegroom is the one who feels too weak, as it were, in the face of his excessively powerful love. In fact, in the game of love, he is infinitely more vulnerable and wounded than we are. Turn your eyes away, for they hold me captive. Literally translate it, they assault me. The bridegroom feels that he is disarmed in the face of a love whose eyes are not only those of a sweet and peaceful dove, your eyes are doves, as he told her, but also those of a victorious beauty whom he cannot resist. Loving revenge of the bride, 
Oh, love, Marie of the Incarnation dares to say, you enjoyed tormenting me. I must have my revenge by inflicting on you the same wounds you gave me. Oh, yes, I must have my revenge. The bridegroom was the first to be sick with love, sick with love for each and every one of you. And just hold on to that thought that he tells her this right after she has had such a big fall, right after she has wandered away from him. And yet she ravishes his heart just by making the move to come back to him. For more resources and our consecration to Christ the Bridegroom, visit hopesgarden.com, the sanctuary where the spousal love of Christ the Bridegroom heals hearts, marriages, and families. You may also want to join our community powered by Mighty Networks. Download the Mighty Networks app and find us at Hope's Garden.